0: Welcome to the archives of Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. John Wesley Powell, a one-armed Civil War veteran and a passionate geologist, is a mostly unknown early explorer of the Grand Canyon. In 1869, he led a group of nine men on a 99-day adventure over a thousand miles and almost 500 difficult rapids to the vast chasm of the Grand Canyon. Edward Dolnick is the author of Down the Great Unknown, John Wesley Powell's 1869 journey of discovery and tragedy through the Grand Canyon. Dolnick based his books on the journals that Powell and other members of his crew kept as they made their way on their journey. I spoke with Edward Dolnick by phone from his home in Maryland in December of 2001 and asked him to tell us about John Wesley Powell.
1: Well, Powell is famous to the extent that he's famous at all for being the first to, uh, to explore an area in the Southwest that wasn't known for a long, long while. In 1869, there was one big blank on the map. Uh, It's an area a couple of hundred miles, uh, bigger than any state. It included the Grand Canyon. And Powell's uh, claim to fame is that he was the one who filled in that blank.
0: So what did he do? Uh, uh, By filling it in, we know he went there to take a look at it.
1: Well, what he did is uh, organize an expedition of, of nine other men and himself they took boats down the Green River and the Colorado River, the first time anybody had done that, and followed the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. Uh, people had seen the Grand Canyon from above, and Indians had uh, knew it well, but no one had ever taken the river down through it. No one had ever navigated
0: Well, did they have any idea of what they were heading for, what they would be in for?
1: No, they had barely a clue. Uh, there, there were rumors about this area. There, there were rumors that there were waterfalls on the Colorado bigger than Niagara. There were rumors that the Colorado disappeared underground like a giant snake, um, but hardly anything known in fact. And the Grand Canyon in particular was as shrouded in myth as Atlantis, barely known at all.
0: Well, in your book, Down the Great Unknown, which fits your description of barely known at all, you describe what happened to them. Um, tell us a little bit about some of their adventures.
1: Well, they, they were in vastly over their heads, is, is the, uh, the great central fact of this expedition. They had a thousand-mile river trip to make. They were in, in wooden rowboats, uh, 500 uh, rapids along the way. None of them had ever run a rapid before, and only Powell, the leader, had even seen one. He had once looked down from a cliff and seen rapids beneath him. That was the extent of their expertise. And along the way, they nearly drowned, they nearly starved, they set themselves on fire, they got caught halfway up the canyon cliffs. Uh, It was a very close-run thing.
0: Describe some of the rapids for people who may not be able to imagine, uh, by that term alone, as to what they are.
1: Well, these rapids are are, uh, chaotic stretches of water, several hundred yards long, usually, uh, the biggest of them have waves that are 10 feet tall, tall 20 feet tall, and they have these uh, whirlpools in them and holes, they're called, which are great, uh, kind of a whirlpool turned on its side. If you get one, it can suck you and suck the boat under underwater. Uh, terribly dangerous. Uh, and the men are doing this. There's 10 men. They've only got one life jacket. Only Powell has a life jacket, only the leader. The uh, the men don't bother with such sissy stuff.
0: They didn't want to, or he wouldn't let them?
1: Um, no, uh, they, they, uh, they couldn't be bothered. Uh, it, it, was, it was partly, uh, it was an unmanly thing to do. This was just after the Civil War. These are great, uh, hairy-chested He-Man types. Uh, and, and, and no, they, they wouldn't uh, be caught in such, uh, such unseemly uh, fashion.
0: Well, who were these people? Why did they do this? Well, Powell,
1: who was the leader, John Wesley Powell, uh, was a Civil War veteran, a, uh, a, a geology professor at a no-name college. Uh, he wanted, he wanted to, to fill in this blank on the map. He, he had scientific curiosity. Uh, he also wanted to put his own name on the map, an awfully ambitious man. Um, but the crew he rounded up were, were essentially uh, rough-and-ready mountain men. They were outdoorsmen. They were they were at home in the outdoors. They were brave. They were venturesome. They had vague notions that maybe they would find gold or, or terrific hunting or some such thing. But mainly the lore was the adventure. Nobody had ever been there. And for these men, that was that was a terrible temptation to be the first.
0: Did he pay them? Did they get anything out of it for their risk?
1: Well, there were, there were nine men in the crew. Uh, Powell paid three of them a pittance to take various kinds of measurements, uh, to use the barometer, to use the sextant to, uh, to pin down their position, that kind of thing. But, but essentially the men were volunteers. Um, as I say, they had vague hopes of, of easy fortune from finding gold or some such thing, but none of that happened. Uh, from the start, as it turned out, this was an expedition on the brink of mutiny, and part of the problem was, as you say, that they were risking their lives for, uh, for, for no pay and for no, no very clear-cut reward.
0: Or for uh, no clear reason.
1: Well, the, for the mountain men, the, uh, the nine men who make up this crew, their great credential was essentially that they were willing to risk their lives for no very good reason. That was about all they had to offer, uh, and, and that was uh, why Powell took them along.
0: In uh, your research for this book, did you uh, find if that was kind of a typical behavior on the part of people, the mountain men of that era, uh, 140 years ago?
1: Well, these were brave, adventurous men. Um, And this this expedition was in 1869. It was only a few years after the Civil War. And nearly all the men had fought. Um, They all knew that this was the... uh, the, the greatest, grandest, most terrible, most exciting thing that would ever happen to them. And for a lot of people, and for these men in particular, uh, th- one of the goals of their life was to find something that, that counted, that mattered as much, that was exciting as exciting as the battles they had been through.
0: Did they succeed?
1: Well, uh, this wasn't as bad as the Civil War. The Civil War was was brutal beyond comprehension. Um, but this was close, um, and most of the men uh, when they dragged themselves out of the Grand Canyon at the end of the trip, if they had made it that far, uh, those who made it through vowed uh, never again that they were this this was too close to death they 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 couldn't volunteer for such a thing again.
0: Well, Ed, I'd like to ask you to read a portion of the book, but before you do that, I want to tell our listeners that this week we're talking with Ed Dolnick from his home in Maryland. Uh, He's the author of a new book called Down the Great Unknown, John Wesley Powell's 1869 Journey of Discovery and Tragedy Through the Grand Canyon. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Ed, can you... Set this in place, and in feeling for us, and uh, read a portion.
1: Yes, I'd like to do that. So it's um, one of the crucial facts of this trip, which which I had uh, neglected to mention so far, is that Powell in the Civil War loses his right arm at Shiloh, the first great battle of the Civil War. He takes a bullet in the arm. Uh, the only treatment uh, essentially for, for any injury uh, much beyond beasting in the Civil War was amputation. And in fact, Powell has his arm amputated. So he's making this astonishing river trip down this wild, unnavigated river um, with one arm. Not, not only do they have the wrong equipment, the wrong boats, no knowledge, but he has this, this terrible, uh, terrible handicap besides. Uh, so So it's just an astonishing uh, uh, challenge that the men take on. I'm going to read a short passage from uh, well into the trip. The men are now, at this point, deep in the Grand Canyon. It's August 13, 1869. They've been underway for about two months. The walls of the Grand Canyon are a mile high. The men have been on starvation rations for several weeks now because they've lost so much food when the boats flip and when waves come in the boat. Uh, the rapids have been getting worse and worse and they have every reason to believe that they're going to get worse still um, here's powell it's john wesley powell august thirteenth eighteen sixty-nine And the passage i'm about to read is the most famous thing that anyone has ever written about the grand canyon here's powell we are now ready to start on our way down the great unknown we are three-quarters of a mile in the depths of the earth we have an unknown distance yet to run an unknown river yet to explore. What falls there are, we know not. What rocks beset the channel, we know not. What walls rise over the river, we know not. Ah, well, we may conjecture many things. The men talk as cheerfully as ever. Jests are bandied about freely this morning. But to me, the cheer is somber, and the jests are ghastly.
0: Well, Ed, what happened after he wrote that? on August uh, 13th of 1869. Did it get worse?
1: It did get worse. It was, uh, and it had been, been brutally hard already. Uh, so, so when we say worse, that the men are now at the, at the limit of their strength. This trip was a 99-day trip, although, although no one could have known it. And I should say that the great hardship for these men... Um, much more than the physical hardship and the physical hardships were almost uh, unimaginable they they were on the edge of starvation they they nearly drowned uh, a dozen times but worse than that physical hardship was the psychological ordeal of never knowing what came next of never knowing if when they rounded the next bend there would be a, a massive waterfall a niagara lying in wait for them they they yearned to be able to tell themselves that the worst is over, this will be okay, it'll be okay from now on. But they never could tell themselves that. They never had that reassurance. And that constant uh, weight of anxiety, they said, was, was the great burden of this trip. That's why Powell kept talking about the great unknown. That's why my book is called Down the Great Unknown, because the weight of that unknown w- w- was so much.
0: But at some point, it, it was over.
1: Well, what happened to them? Uh, it was a 99-day trip, as I say, uh, although they didn't know. On day 98 of what no one knows is destined to be a 99-day trip, they come to the worst rapid yet. Uh, this is bigger than anything they've seen before. It, it's churning more wildly. The waves are higher. Uh, and they look at this, and they say, wow, this is it. We, uh, we, we can't make this. There's nine men left at this point, and they split into, into uh, uh, two camps. Uh, three of the men say, this is suicide, we can't run this rapid, we have to take our chance on hiking out and and hope we can make it. We we should all hike out. And the other six, uh, led by Powell, say, no, we've made it this far, we have to stick with the river. We don't know that we can climb out. The walls might be sheer, they might be unclimbable, we might be stuck like, like children in the bottom of a well. And even if we do make it out, Powell says, there's nothing on top. It's desert. Desert up there. We could die of hunger, die of thirst. Uh, we don't have any chance but to uh, but to stay with the river. And the two groups, the ones who want to hike and the ones who want to run the rapid, uh, argue all night with one another, each trying to convince the other. And neither side can can win that argument. And in the morning, uh, it, it, they take it up again. They still try to uh, to convince the other party to see it their way. And neither group can win the argument. And finally at a place that's, uh, that was later called Separation Rapid, they do separate. Three of the men hike out, and the other six take to the river.
0: I want to know what happened to the six, but tell us first, were the three ever heard from again?
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you wanted to know. I'm wondering if I should tell you or if we should, uh, if we should leave it there for, uh, for for book readers to have something to look forward to.
0: Uh, well, I guess that's, uh, that's the answer, isn't it? <laughs> um, so the group uh, was, was divided uh, by three, and two-thirds stayed on.
1: Yes. Um, all through this trip, there has been fierce squabbling and fighting among the men. It really is not a, uh, a coherent, well-organized group. Uh, part of the problem is that Powell, because he only has the one arm, can't do his share of the work. He can't row, he can't carry the boats when the men come to a rapid too big to run, that they need to pull to shore and lug the tons of supplies and lug the boats. Uh, He can't do his share of any of a thousand tasks. All he can do is bark out orders, and that gets really old really fast. And then beyond that, Powell is a, uh, a farm boy from Illinois. He doesn't really know the West at all. And these mountain men are proud, feisty characters who view this as their territory. They don't like taking orders from this, from this greenhorn. And even worse than that, Powell, in the Civil War, which had ended, as I say, only a few years before, Powell had been an officer. He was used to giving orders. The men had all been enlisted men. They'd had to take orders, and they'd hated it. And now that the war was over, the last thing they wanted was more orders. So there's all these sources of dissension uh, between Powell as leader and the men that he's giving these orders to. And as the trip drags on, and as the food runs out, and as the conditions get ever harder, uh, this bad feeling among the men gets worse and worse. And at the very end, when they split in two, and these three go off on their own, uh, the three who leave are are the ones who had had the most trouble with Powell over the course of the trip. And at one point, they they nearly had a gunfight. The, uh, The bad feeling had gotten that strong.
0: How were the um, records saved, Uh, the portion that you read us uh, a few minutes ago? uh, You described it as a pretty wet and wild adventure, yet things were written down and I presume kept dry enough to be able to be read later. Well,
1: what made this book, one of the things that made the book terrific fun to write and and I hope to read, is that there's really good documentation. There were 10 men on the trip and three of them, uh, Powell and two of the men, kept really, really good journals. And several of the others kept occasional, but but pretty good uh, journals as well. And they wrote letters home that were saved, or they wrote letters that were eventually published in newspapers. So not only do we have lots of voices, but what's better than that, we have this chorus of dissenting voices so that we can hear the same scene um, as, as different men recorded it. Powell usually had this kind of... Uh, Cheery notion. He's he's always writing things like, uh, you know, the the men are a hardy uh, a bunch of rascals. This kind of thing, and the men are much feistier than that. They're much more forthright, much more frank. For instance, here here's one of the men uh, on on Powell. This is a man named Bradley, who's kind of an Eeyore-like character. He's always fussing, always complaining, and yet whenever there was a crisis, Bradley came through in a big way. He was he was quite heroic when when needed to be. But, um, but whenever he had leisure, he was, uh, he was miserable. So on one of these nights in camp when they've dragged themselves in, exhausted and half-starved, Powell has written in his diary his usual kind of thing, uh, the, the men are cheery as ever. Um, but here's Bradley writing about Powell. Bradley says, the Major, he calls Powell the Major, says, the Major, as usual, has chosen the worst camping ground possible. If I had a dog that would lie where my bed is made tonight... I would kill him and burn his collar and swear I never owned him. Um, The the men wrote with that kind of vigor um, in all their journal entries. These men were, were Mark Twain's contemporaries, and you really hear these authentic American voices as you read the journals.
0: Where did you find the journals?
1: Well, the journals turned out to be a terrific story. I had read transcripts of them. They, they've been reproduced in, uh, in historical court, at least, that kind of thing. But I wanted to see the originals. I wanted to hold them in my hand. And so I, I called all over. I, called, I began with the Grand Canyon National Park, and they didn't quite know, but there was a little museum where somebody might know, and I'd call there, and they wouldn't know, but there was a retired curator who thought he might remember, and on and on like this. And at the end of a dozen of these kind of fruitless phone calls, it turned out that the originals did exist. And in fact, they are about two miles from my house. They're, they're in downtown Washington, D.C. Um, Powell ended up at the uh, Smithsonian Institution in the uh, Museum of Natural History. And, and Bradley, this one I just read, um, is at the Library of Congress. You can go there. Um, you sit under fluorescent lights, and the librarians give you uh, little gloves you have to wear, and then they bring out to you these diaries, the original, these original diaries that were written 140 years ago in the Grand Canyon by, by firelight. And you can still see the, the water stains on them from the river and coffee spills where coffee fell 140 years ago. And you're holding in your hands these, these original notes. In Powell's, when you hold it, it's written in an odd way, and it sits kind of cockeyed on the page, and the letters are big and loopy, and it looks very strange. And I was trying to sort that out, and I couldn't quite figure out why his writing was so odd.
0: Is that because he didn't have a hand to hold the paper in place with?
1: Well, finally it dawned on me, yeah, it's because it was his right arm that he'd lost. And he'd been right-handed. Uh, he just wasn't very good at writing lefty yet. And here you now see these big, childlike letters. It really
0: kind of shook me up. I, I can hear the excitement in your voice as you talk to us. How is this for you to have, have read these, uh, these letters, to be shaken up, and to portray this story in um, several hundred pages uh, of, of what happened that so few people know about?
1: Well, it, it became terrific fun because there were ten men, as I say, and, and from the journals I really came to have a feeling that I knew these guys, and I liked some of them, and I didn't like others, and there you are. And it's such a long trip. It was 99 days. Um, If you've ever uh, camped even for several days, it it can get to be pretty old. And if you've made, say, a long drive with your family, uh, you know that even with people you love, it doesn't take 99 days for you to get on each other's nerves. Um, And here, these aren't people that they love. They're they're a bunch of strangers, essentially, and they're in the most uh, grim conditions. And so they, they really... Uh, they're really having trouble with one another. So it makes it terrific fun to, to be able to eavesdrop on that, uh, that expedition.
0: When we talk about mountain men, um, the image that comes to mind is someone who is really self-sufficient and can live out in the wilderness. And it seems like that's what they were doing, except yeah, in a group.
1: That, that was the great virtue of these men. Um, because as the trip wore on, a thousand-mile trip, there are hundreds of miles uh, from the nearest settlement, hundreds of miles from the possibility of rescue. They're utterly dependent on one another um, and on their ability, as you say, to, to live by their wits. They've brought lots of supplies, uh, beans and rice mostly, that kind of thing, um, but not that much because they're confident um, that they'll be able to, to hunt and fish and, uh, and, and supplement the, the beans and rice that way. But it turns out this is much more barren land than any of them knew. Um, and, and so to their horror, they find that they're running out of food. They, they had never expected that. They thought the hazard was going to be surviving the river, but it wasn't, uh, or, or that was only half the picture. The, the other half was finding food. There was nothing to shoot. There was nothing to hunt. There were fish, and, and for uh, to their dismay, they couldn't catch them. They could see them quite often, but they couldn't land them. And, and so starved, it became a race against starvation. Do
0: you know why they couldn't land them?
1: No, they never figured it out, and uh, and nowadays the river has changed because it's been dammed, Um, and so we can't go back and try uh, in their conditions. We don't quite know.
0: You've gone down this river a couple of times. Um, What was that like for you, uh, knowing what you know about John Wesley Powell?
1: Well, I made the trip four times now, and it's one of the things that got me into the book in the first place was the contrast between what that trip is like now and what it was like then because now it's it's a uh it's almost luxurious you you are camping but you're in one of the great scenic spots of the world there's uh the food is awfully good it's brought along in big coolers it's like a roller coaster ride and at the end of the day you pull to shore and your biggest decision is uh should it be wine or should it be beer you know it's it's as easy as that and for these men so I knew what it was like uh, to do it today. And what lured me into the book was trying to learn what it was like when instead of having these, these luxurious conditions, you, you were in the most uh, primitive conditions. And instead of knowing um, from videos and from books what was around every bend, you had no idea if the next bend would be the end of your life.
0: And you also had a guide.
1: And you have a guide whose job it is to do this, Who who who... Who can make this trip, although they're still excited uh for, for them it's it's all in a day's work they're like a, a airplane pilot
0: and also the water was different now it is dammed and less rugged
1: um it, yes it, it, in many places um you, you couldn't reproduce this trip because the lake is essentially for, uh, the dams have formed huge lakes um, in in Powell's day you're right it was uh it, it was rugged all the way. But to, but to this day, this is one of the uh, classic whitewater trips you can make. Um, it, 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 it's it's terribly exciting, terribly dangerous for uh, for an ordinary person. Um, when they make this trip, they start out at a place called Green River Station in Wyoming, um, which is just north of the Utah border. And The important fact about where they start is that the altitude there is 6,100 feet. So on the course of their trip. The river had well over a mile to fall. And the question that no one knew, the, the, the question that Powell would have given his other arm to know the answer to, was did the river make that drop of 6,100 feet gradually, or did it make it suddenly? Did, did it fall off like a ramp or, or like an elevator shaft? And no one knew. See, it was a 6,100-foot drop. Niagara Falls is only 170 feet. So there's room around any of a thousand bins for this mega Niagara Falls.
0: Ed Dolnick, I want to thank you very much for joining us on Radio Curious. And and before we close, I want to ask you uh, to tell us about an interesting book that you've read lately.
1: Hmm. Well, I've I've been late getting to Endurance, the uh, the Shackleton book. Um, I wonder if you know it. it it's a, a terrific story for for anyone who uh, who likes adventures and. Uh, Man Against Nature kind of stories, it's, it's uh, probably as good a one as there's ever been. Um, it's it's uh, out in paperback. It's by Alfred Lansing. Um, a terrific story. I really recommend it to anyone.
0: And the name of it is?
1: It's Endurance.
0: Endurance by Alfred Lansing.
1: Yes, it's, it's a classic.
0: Well, Ed Dolnick, thanks again for joining us on Radio Curious.
1: Well, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you.
0: Edward Dolnick is the author of Down the Great Unknown, John Wesley Powell's 1869 journey of discovery and tragedy through the Grand Canyon. The book he recommends is Endurance by Alfred Lansing. Copies of this and other editions of Radio Curious can be found on our website, www.radiocurious.org. There are over 750 archives on our website, radiocurious.org, and I'm honored to tell you that Radio Curious is now part of the collection at the Library of Congress. We appreciate your cards, ideas, and letters and do enjoy hearing from you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. The postal address is 700 West Smith Street, Ukiah, California,